You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Good evening. Welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. We are part of a worldwide denomination that celebrates the inclusive love of God for everyone. You are very welcome here if it's your first time or if you're returning after some time away. Whether you're watching this as it goes out on the Sunday evening or catching up with it on our YouTube channel or our podcast, all are welcome here. Tonight we'll be starting a series looking at Black History Month with Al sharing her thoughts on the topic of being our whole selves. Let us take a few moments of quiet to let go of all that this week has brought to us and challenged us with and still ourselves in God's presence. Loving parent, you created all people in your image and through your son you freely give your spirit to all who come to you in faith. In our broken world, where injustice and inequality distort the dignity you have bestowed on your people, may we work for your kingdom, where all people will live as your children, siblings in Christ. Amen. We start this month's series by listening to Jean read Some Things I Like, which is written by Lem Sisse. The first reading is a poem by Liam Sissi. Some things I like. A poem to shout. I like Rex. I like ex-junkies. I like flanks and ex-flunkies. I like the way they carry a less carrier. I like flat beer. I like people who tell half stories and forget the rest. I like people who make doodles in important written texts. I like being late. I like faith. I like the way teeth grit. I like less, less, less shoes, short less blues. I like the one bar blues. I like buttonless coats and leaky boots. I like rubbish tips and beaten tips, lips. I like yesterday's toast. I like cold tea. I like reality. I like ashtrays, I write, and I like craft plays. I like certain curtains that don't quite shut. I like bread knives that don't quite cut. I like ribs in blue jeans. I like people who can't say what they mean. I like spiders with no legs, pencils with no lid, arts. Ants with no heads, worms that are half dead. <laughs> I like horse, I like coffee cord, I like creases in neat folds. I like signs that just don't where they are going. Oh, excuse me. I like signs that just don't know where they are going. I like angry poems. 
I like the way you can't pin down the C. C. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from Quaker Faith and Practice, which is the book of discipline of the yearly meeting of the Religious Society of Friends, Quakers, in Britain. The text in Quaker Faith and Practice is an attempt to express truth through the vital personal and corporate experience of Friends, or Quakers. It's largely composed of extracts from Friends' writings, which Quakers have found to be a fitting way of expressing the breadth of Quaker theology. This reading is from Quaker Faith and Practice, chapter 23, section 33, originally written by Meg Maslin in 1990. Guided by the light of God within us and recognising that of God in others, we can all learn to value our differences in age, sex, physique, race and culture. This enables mutual respect and self-respect to develop and it becomes possible for everyone to love one another as God loves us. Throughout our lives, we see ourselves reflected in the facial expressions, verbal comments and body language of others. We have a responsibility to protect each other's self-respect. Because of their commitment to social concerns, some Quakers may find it inconceivable that they may lack understanding of issues involving racism. Jesus stressed the unique nature and worth of each individual. It's unreasonable to expect assimilation or to ignore difference, claiming to treat everyone the same. This denies the value of variety, which presents not a problem, but a creative challenge to live adventurously. Personality, sex, race, culture and experience are God's gifts. We need one another and differences shared become enrichments, not reasons to be afraid, to dominate or condemn. The media have increased our knowledge of the world, but we need greater self-awareness if our actions are to be changed in relation to the information we receive. We need to consider our behaviour carefully, heeding the command of Jesus that we should love our neighbours as we love ourselves. The Gospel reading is from Luke Chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that has lost until they find it? When they have found it, they lay it on their shoulders and rejoice, and when they come home, they call together their friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. Will you pray with me? May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts and minds be pleasing in your sight, O God. Amen. At work, when I meet a new patient, I like to ask them to tell me about themselves, to tell me what they like. 
I rarely am the first person to see them, so I often already have a sense of what my colleagues think the issue at hand might be. However, I rarely have a sense of who it is I'm meeting and what is important to them. I can safely say that pretty much nobody is ready for my question. No one knows what I mean, or why am I asking, or how to condense their whole life up until that moment into a short reply. If I worked with a slightly older age group, then I might ask, how would you describe yourself for a podcast or a radio show? What are the headline things that folks need to know about you? And the obvious response to this would be, what kind of radio show? Is it sci-fi, comedy, news, economics? Is the style laid back or professional? What is the context for this question? And perhaps more importantly than what do I say, but also what do I not say? What do I leave out to be appropriate in this context and setting? As a doctor, I have to remember that medicine in general and psychiatry in particular there's been a history of unhelpful power dynamics that might make someone worried about what they say. Lem Cisse says, I like the way the careerless career, I like flat beer, I like people who tell half stories and forget the rest. I like people who make doodles and important written tests. We are all made in the image of God. We are told so in Genesis, right there in the first chapter, the first chapter of the Bible. Not just made by God, but made in the image of God. And I wonder if we only present part of ourselves, if we are also hiding part of God. We are cramping God's style. There are times when we have all done that, forcing ourselves to be square pegs in round holes often for convenience, profit, social currency, to make the situation easier. That's our choice. And I think we can often find it tends to be harder work in the long run than being ourselves. But if we want to cramp God's style, we can get away with it for a bit. But it's not sustainable. I think when we can be our full selves and shine with God's glory, that is when our life is more fulfilling. In today's gospel, Jesus talks with the Pharisees and scribes because they got upset seeing him talk with the tax collectors and sinners. They say, they're the wrong sorts. They're not proper. They don't know how to fit in around here. And quite frankly, they aren't worth the hassle. Maybe even irredeemable. And who cares anyway? There are more important things and more important people to be getting on with. And even if we did want to talk with them, that would be pretty hard work. What on earth would we have in common? They can't want to be involved. If they did, surely they would have changed their ways already, made themselves like us, and asked. Surely. Jesus has very little patience for this sort of thing. And goes on to give a nice analogy about the importance of everybody. If you were a shepherd who lost a sheep, one out of a hundred, and someone else came along and said, who cares? The rest are still here. It's a 99% survival rate. Get over it and move on. 
you'd be pretty annoyed that something so fundamental and important to you was dismissed and undervalued so easily. Of course you go out and find your sheep. Not an easy task though, possibly in the dark, over a few hills, generally looking all over the place. If you're lucky and you know the sheep, you might find a trail. But if not, you've probably got to be up to your knees in boggy mud, checking all the holes, caves and generally dangerous places to be. If it hadn't gone far or hadn't got stuck, then it probably wouldn't be lost. You've got to know the sheep though, or at least I would presume so. Is it fond of a particular sort of food? Is it jumping up likely to get stuck up somewhere high? Or picking a fight with a mountain lion or joining a herd of cattle? Of course you're delighted when you find your sheep and you celebrate with everyone you know, bursting to tell people in the street of this most important delight. And so how much more delight is taken by God when someone hears the good news and turns their heart to God? And how much more effort would God go to to find those people? I don't think Jesus was saying, these people, they need it more than you when he was speaking with the Pharisees. I don't think he was saying, look how terrible their sins are. Crikey. But I wonder if he was saying, you guys, you have opportunity in space where you feel welcome, where you don't have to pretend to be somewhere else, where you can hear the word of God and you can afford the time and the fancy rituals to be proper. But if I don't go and find people who need to hear from me, and if I don't change what I do, perhaps even make myself uncomfortable in order to make themselves feel welcome and at ease and at ease enough to hear what I have to say, how can they know that they are loved and important to God and that this message is for them too? We all adapt ourselves to our environments. That's a natural human condition. We use different language when we're with people we know and people we don't. When we feel like we belong, we might be more relaxed. And if we don't see any signs or behaviours that makes us think that we belong, we might presume that we're not. And we might try to hide parts of ourselves that we think are unacceptable, or we might just not show up at all. Sometimes we have to hide those parts of ourselves, and sometimes we have to escape those surroundings in order to survive. But that, that's not us cramping our style, that's somebody else doing the cramping. Many of us are here at Northern Lights because we were fed up of pretending to be someone else's idea of acceptable in order to hear the word of God safely in a mainstream church. Maybe we were unsafe there to be our full selves for a number of reasons. Perhaps we wanted to get remarried after a divorce. Our gender was not what other people had guessed it to be. Our sexuality was not incredibly heterosexual. We dared to want to be in leadership when we were anything other than a white man. Maybe we had HIV or no job or no home. We had mental illness or addictions. Or perhaps we're here because we couldn't stand to see others put in that position, put in the position of not being their whole godly selves. And we wanted to be part of a community where the whole self is welcome. We've all sought out a community and an environment where we can be safe, where we don't have to cramp our styles in order to meet with God. But the next question is, 
is everyone safe to meet with God here? If we hide our authentic selves, then we're cramping God's style. But we also cramp God's style if we stop other people from being their authentic selves. I included Lam Cisse's poem, Some Things I Like, in the readings this evening. Not just because I like it, but also because it speaks to the delight in the things which are not quite as you would expect. To things which may not be objectively neat, tidy, correct or finished. I really want to be clear that I'm not suggesting we all need to be perfect or to meet our potential in order to be our whole selves for God. We can do that right now. And there is a real delight to be taken in being our authentic selves, to like what we like and to celebrate who we are, not, not who others think we should be. But it's easier to do that if we can see ourselves reflected in the world around us. Professor James Cone wrote about the importance of seeing Jesus as black Jesus. He said, the blackness of God means that God has made the oppressed condition God's own condition. This is the essence of the biblical revelation. By electing Israelite slaves as the people of God and by becoming the oppressed one in Jesus Christ, the human race is made to understand that God is known where human beings experience humiliation and suffering. And in a 1989 interview, he went on to say, it's very important because you've got a, light, a lot of white images of Christ. In reality, Christ was not white, was not European. That's important to the psychic and to the spiritual consciousness of black people who live in a ghetto and in a white society in which their Lord and Saviour looks just like people who victimise them. God is whatever colour God needs to be in order to let people know they're not nobodies and they're somebodies. This is the start of Black History Month here in the UK. Not learn about colonialism in the UK month. That should probably be all of the other months. And so in church, perhaps this is our opportunity to learn about how black theology enriches our understanding of God and to think about the history of black people in MCC and how we can make this space welcoming and safe so that they can be their whole selves here and part of our future. As we heard in Anna's reading, some Quakers may find it inconceivable that they may lack understanding of issues involving racism. And I don't think that sentiment is unique to, to Quakers. I think many of us white folk have all thought, I know about racism, I get it. But to truly know that is a nearly impossible task, a vital one that requires work and constant work, but much like spiritual growth, it's not something that can be ticked off as being done. I was struck by these words in the reading. Throughout our lives, we see ourselves reflected in the facial expressions, verbal comments and body language of others. We have a responsibility to protect each other's self-respect. We have a responsibility to protect each other's self-respect. And I think another way of saying this is that as people made in the image of God, we must honour and recognise that others are also made in the image of God and seek to uphold a world which will enable people to be their whole selves. 
How can we do God's work if we don't use the language and imagery that uphold the self-respect of others and that values the variety of ways in which we meet with God? We make ourselves comfortable enough that we can truly meet with God and feel welcome. So perhaps, perhaps I need to rethink my question and the question for myself and my patients that I'm really wanting to know is, how do I change myself and this space? Where do I need to go to help deconstruct old fashioned power structures and hidden barriers so that you feel welcome here so we can get on with helping you feel better? And perhaps the question for us here at MCC is, what do we need to do to change ourselves and this space? What do we need to do? Where do we need to go to help deconstruct old fashioned power structures and hidden barriers so that all feel welcome here? And so we can get on with doing God's work. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Tonight, I light the HIV AIDS candle, and we pray, as we do every week, for those living with and affected by HIV and AIDS, and those involved in caring for them. We remember those who have died, that disproportionately affected the gay community. Our church lost so many pastors, congregants and friends. We pray that life-saving and life-sustaining medication may be made available to all who need it. We lift up to you the prayers written in our prayer book and those in our hearts. And please continue to pray with me as I read the words of a prayer by the Most Reverend Desmond Tutu. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dreamed too little, because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, O Lord, when, with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the water of life, when, having fallen in love with time, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of heaven to grow dim. Stir us, O Lord, to dare more boldly to venture into wider seas where storms show thy mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. In the name of him who pushed back the horizons of our hopes and invited the brave to follow. Amen.
Let us all share together in the grace that God has given us as we say. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.